Welcome to Crowding the Garage. I'm Corey Cope. I'm pretty wild. It's Kickstart. Our last Kickstart of February. Yeah, man. And it's been a good month. Uh, it's been a good month revisiting a bunch of, of Burt classics in our youth and uh, seeing how they've transitioned. To how they matured and held up. <laughs> Or how we've matured and held up. I don't know. I'm not sure which one's which. You tell um, me. But our our next episode is coming out on Thursday. Patreon for you folks to, later tonight at on Tuesday at midnight. Um, we have 1978 again. Hooper from Hal Needham, and it is it's a fun conversation. It's it rhymes with super. <laughs> oh, that's I mean it rhymes with Hooper. And it's a, there's a line in there, Super Hooper. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so enjoy that. So we got a super quick and tasty kickstart for you. And it's a little more derivative than what we usually throw out there. I'm going to hit you up right away with something I think I briefly talked about a while back when we were talking about the Go-Go's documentary. And that is Alex Winter. Yes, that Alex Winter made a documentary about Frank Zappa that came out last year and kind of made its rounds a little bit before uh, on virtual festivals, right? Because <laughs> there were no real festivals last year. I'm really looking forward to this one. It, uh, it drops a week from tomorrow on March 2nd. Alex Winter, like in between the, the Bill and Ted movies, uh, he became, he's become a pretty prolific uh, documentarian himself as far as uh, being involved with some other documentaries himself as, as, part of, as a participant, not a creator. And this is one of probably his most high profile uh, project he's done as far as the subject is something that's well known, uh, at least a name that's well known, and that's Frank Zappa. And uh, this one looks really fun, and it's going to be coming out from Magnolia, which is always nice. Uh, there's not much more I already know about it at this point. This is one I've been waiting to see for a while because I really, uh, I really think he he's a, a misunderstood performer. Frank Zappa was, um, other than spawning two kids that went on to have a little more commercial success than he did because he was never built that way, which is of course the irony, but Frank Zappa, yeah, it's just called Zappa Blu-ray and it hits March 2nd. There's nothing, much, nothing more to say about that. If, if you have interest in, in anything that, um, of, of just a good documentary from what I've been reading, people I trust have seen it say it's fantastic and it's worth owning and it clocks in at a nice two hours and nine minutes. That's, that's a little long for a doc. But he seems like the man has a lot to cover in his life. So, and you got kind of limitations too, because there's not a lot of media out there that from the time that Frank was at is the stuff that I would really want to know about. There's not a lot of archival content out there other than his recordings, other than his music. So I'm looking forward to True. That. Yeah. It's funny, man. I, I don't know much about Zap, Frank Zap. It's funny. I probably know more about Dweezil and Moon Unit yes. than I do Frank. I agree. <laughs> I'm one of those people. I just, I don't, I know your basic stuff, but I don't, I don't. Uh, so yeah, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be definitely be something I'd like to watch uh, just to sort of, uh, sort of catch up. It's only been 50 years. Not Jesus. I used to run into Dweezil all the time because yeah, Dweezil was an actor and, you know, he would show up in movies here and there, but he's also a massive movie fan. And I used to always run into him at uh, the Centerplex Odeon at what would eventually become City Walk. But when I used to run into him all the time, it was just at Universal Studios on top there when it was just that and Tony Romas. <laughs> that was it. It was those two things, the movie theater and a restaurant. And, and ribs. It. And ribs. I could get your ribs. Or in my case, I go get my swordfish steak and then go see a movie. But I used to run into him all the time back when he, he was putting out his first, uh, actually his second album, 
His my guitar record. wants to kill your mama. My guitar wants to kill your mama was the first one. The second album was Confessions and Confessions of a Deep Fried Youth <laughs> or Deep Fried Youth. But they make the rhyme later on. Deep Fried Youth, produced by Nuno Betancourt, the guitar player from Extreme. And it's got some really great music on there. So that's another fun one, too. If you can seek out Confessions, nice timestamp of like 1990, I think is when he did that. Zappa, March 2nd. Bang. Uh, I got my, my first thing I'd like to talk about takes me back to my childhood here. Ooh. I'm going to take you guys right back to the 1980s Saturday mornings with uh, Warner Archives release of the entire series of Thundar the Barbarian. If you don't know Thunder the Barbarian, Thunder the Barbarian all takes place after a catastrophe. You know, I'm not, I, I don't remember off the top of my head whether it was man-made catastrophe or somehow the earth got too close to the moon and bad shit happened and <laughs> it all went haywire. And as those things do happen, the survivors all start to fight one another. There's magic and there's fucking mocks and there's sun swords and there's Thundar who oddly sort of looks like a buffed out Mark Hamill, <laughs> but sounds like space ghost. Yeah. Um, so, Hey man, if you like crazy, weird cartoons from the late seventies, early eighties, man. And if you haven't seen Thundar, it's a lot of fun, man. I just remember being fascinated by all the wackiness, mutants and sorcery and weirdness that they kind of, I don't know who they made this for, <laughs> but it was definitely in my wheelhouse when I was 10 or 11 years old. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. I've always wondered why, like when they talk about making Thundercats movies and this and that and the other, no one's ever said, Hey man, we need a Thunder the Barbarian movie. Cause right? I think we do. Yeah. What's awesome is the voice of Thundar, which is always very, like, if they try to swap out Thundar's voice for somebody, for, for a different voice actor, you would know it right away because the man that does it is Robert Ridgely. And Robert Ridgely oh, yeah. is awesome. And I made a reference to Fritz the Cat, I don't know when, recently, and sometimes it's, yeah. He did a voice in Nine Lives of Fritz the Cat, but you know him face-wise from his last role in a Burt Reynolds movie. He was Colonel James in Boogie Nights. That is correct. You've seen him in lots. You know the face instantly, but you know the voice before that. And he did so many cool things. I mean, speaking of more Westerns, he did Blazing Saddles, if you want to go there. But he did a lot of stuff with Mel Brooks. Uh, high anxiety, least you know, life stinks, Robin Hood, Men in Tights. But long before I had seen those movies, I knew Thunder the Barbarian. I knew him. I knew the voice before I knew who the man was. And Thunder, you're right, dude. It was a wacky fucking show. Like, who was this for? Right. And geography speaking, <laughs> dude, you would see like because it is you know a post apocalyptic show, which is great because you want to it's, it's, you know put fear into kids. They were smart enough to make it like thousands of years in the future, as opposed to the very near the future, future, like a lot sure. of other dystopian things were when we were kids. Yeah, you would see like Mount Rushmore and like, you know, certain things that, that screamed locales in the world, specifically the United States. It was super weird. Yeah, it was. But I love the shit out of this, too. Uh, like what else was, uh, who was a sidekick's name? It was it. Uh, Ukla the Mock. Ukla, yeah. And There's Princess a, Ariel. Yeah, wasn't there a band called Ukla the Mock? There awesome. was, and it was taken directly from Thunder the Barbarian. Yeah, it's so great, man. Yeah, they used to play around Hollywood all the time, man. Yeah, these guys are crazy shit. Yeah. If there if there was some 
cartoon that you were into back in the day? Somebody probably has a band name out in LA somewhere. Yes. At some point. Right. Nerf herder, <laughs> uh, whatever, man. Yeah. You know, there's but dude, uh, yes. Thundar, man. When you told me that this, they were going to be putting this whole thing out. I was like super excited because I have a whole bunch of other sets. I have, uh, cause, cause Heine Barbera has done a bunch of other things in, in that, in that regard, as far as like the whole series run of something. But this sure. is, this is a little different, this one, because like you noted, it's pretty hardcore, man. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it came off like, I feel like it came off. There's some, you know, it, it's got weird, uh, it, there's some Star Wars definitely in it. Like the whole sun sword is very much like the lightsaber, right. but you know, it, it owes a lot to like Japanese anime, yeah. uh, American sci-fi, the weird whole sword and sorcery craze that was going on in the late seventies, early eighties, you know, it, it's uh they got it all in here, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's wild. Uh, I, I can't wait to like sort of revisit it. Cause I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like it's a thing that's also kind of hard to find. I mean, you can find it on YouTube and such, but I don't remember it being uh, part of like Cartoon Network and stuff like that. Like right. when all that stuff became a revival back in the late nineties, early two thousand. Uh, so yeah, this is going to be fun, man. Yeah. This one was done by Ruby Spears, you know, two right, you know, former writers from Hanna-Barbera. And it was funny. Well, there were a lot of things that I used to mistake for Hanna-Barbera, but they're actually Ruby Spears productions like this show. I always thought it was Hanna-Barbera. Fang Face was the first thing they did. How about that? Right. <laughs> so which is basically Scooby-Doo with yeah. a werewolf. Right. Plastic Man Comedy Hour, which was fucking rad. Dude, Plastic Man was so ahead of its like time. It's, it's so, it's so, it's kind of for grownups. <laughs> right. Something about Ruby Spears became kind of common was they were the ones they, can you remember those, those, Scooby-Doo's that were always so fun, like the Globetrotter ones or the Three Stooges ones where you kind of like you crossing over with different, well, not with necessarily cartoon characters, but real life people like that. Like that. It was always kind of cool. But Ruby Spears started doing that stuff. They created the Morgan Committee, the Vernon Shirley and Fonzie Hour. Yeah. And then they would. And do, uh, but, I think the Robotic Stooges, maybe. Maybe so. Yeah. And then they, but then they started doing a crossover. They started doing stuff with Hanna-Barbera. Like the Scooby and Scrappy-Doo puppy hour. Right. Uh, unfortunately, that, you know, when you bring in Scrappy-Doo, is like, that was the beginning of the end. That was the, the shark jumping going on with Scooby-Doo was when that happened. Right. Put Scooby on some skis, baby. And Ruby Spears did things like Thundar that were maybe not so obvious, a Hanna-Barbera kind of thing. And, and they did the Dragon Slayer TV series that short-lived. Right. Yeah, there you go. Fun stuff. The Rambo series was them. That's where they got their beginning beginnings of, of those things you probably saw later on in your life. Well, what else was uh, the puppy series was <laughs> Alvin and Chipmunk series. Yep. Lots of things. If you're a little bit younger than us, Ruby Spears covered something. But back in the day, it was all about Thunder the Barbarian. Yeah, man. God, I'm so looking forward to that, man. Yeah. No, no. So, yeah, that comes out in two weeks. Excited for that. Yes. March 16th. So, yeah, two, roughly two weeks. Sweet. Well... Yeah, and people talk about it. <laughs> it might not be for everybody, but uh, we rented uh, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar uh, with the the writing team of Kristen Wiig and Annie Momolo coming back together again after doing Bridesmaids. And this time Annie's in front of the camera the, the entire way, co-starring with Kristen Wiig. And it's on uh, Cinema VOD, like at home cinema. And yeah, it's a little, it's the, t- it's the typical 1999 and Melody and I got it and we laughed our asses off. Um, I don't want to say if you like Bridesmaids, you like this. This has more of a Austin Powers tone. And if you've already seen it, then you know what I'm saying. 
if you haven't kind of lean into that idea when you go into it. I love the shit out of it. The, the, the supporting cast is great. Jamie Dornan, who is, who is the lead from the gray movies, 50 shades movies. He's super great and kind of playing a character that you're not used to seeing him play. I never saw any of those 50 shade movies, but it's not really a mile. I don't give a shit. He's super funny in this and he, he plays the part perfectly. He just good stuff. If you live by yourself, I don't know, is it worth 20 bucks? I don't know, but I'll tell you one thing. I've, one thing I saw really common online was people that rented it would watch it a second time. You know, when you pay 20 bucks for you feel like watching something a second time, if it's good and it's good. We, so we almost watched it right afterwards, but it's super fun. Barb and Star, go to Vista Del Mar. If you're not wanting to pay 20 bucks for it, just put it on your list. And when it comes in, it hits Redbox because you're going to enjoy it. There you go. Well, there you have it. I am going to throw out, uh, here's a couple things. Here's the, my other thing, which th- thrills me to no end, is that uh, Criterion announced their May titles. And the first one, they had me at Hello. It's Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Um, the seminal teen film from 1982, directed by Amy Heckerling, who we've talked about lots of, you know, lots. and the fact that Amy has directed quite a few films, you know, from our youth mm-hmm. and uh and i think it was they just released the 30th and was it the 30th anniversary or 20th anniversary of clueless 20th anniversary 25th anniversary 25th 25th anniversary of clueless uh paramount did that right was that paramount yes it was so now long overdue uh and this is where criterion because uh, criterion is starting to creep into the film's they always seemed, I love Criterion, but there was a point where I was like, yeah, Criterion's, you know, they're kind of stodgy, but now they're starting to crack into what I consider classics. Right. <laughs> and um, this Fast Times at Ridgemont High release has me super excited. I'm just going to pop through. I'm just going to run through the uh, the features on this thing in the tech specs. Okay. There's a four, it's a 4k restoration, which was supervised by Amy. So that should be pretty fantastic because depending on where you're watching it, sometimes the quality is a little grainy, but you know, it was made, you know, 40 years ago, but there's uh, the auto commentary from the uh, 1999 release with Heckerling and camera crow is included. And it's fantastic. It's probably one of the best commentaries I've ever listened to on any DVD. Uh, So you get in that, then you get in the television version of the film, which is drastically different. Correct. Featuring a bunch of deleted and alternate scenes. Yep. That's fantastic. Uh, there's a new conversation with Heckerling and Crow, uh, moderated by Olivia Wilde. Yay. And there's a new doc on there, Reliving Our Fast Times at Ridgemont High. It's not new, actually. It's from 99, and I think it's on the, uh, the DVD as well, the special edition DVD. Uh, there's an audio discussion from 82, which is not on that, with uh, Heckerling at, at AFI. English subtitles for the deaf and hard of hearing plus an essay by film critic Dana Stevens for the Blu-ray edition and a new introduction by Cameron Crowe. And that comes out May 11th. And I got to tell you, man, I just watched Fast Times on Stars two months ago. And this movie holds up. And in some ways, it gets better every time you watch it. It's one of those kind of movies, especially if you grew up watching this or, you know, you grew up in the time period that this film came out. Uh, it brings back tons of nostalgia, but yeah. it's also, there's just so many classic pop culture moments in this movie. Oh yeah. 
I'm super, super stoked for May 11th. Uh, and the cover art's fun. Yep. You know, if you're a Criterion collector and you probably already know about this, but I, you know, it's, it hit me this morning and I was like, oh fuck, I got to plug that because I've already pre-ordered it. It's in my uh, shopping cart at Amazon waiting to ship. When I saw that Olivia Wilde was doing a new chat with Amy and Cameron, I thought that's perfect because, you know, my massive affinity for Booksmart and you can feel fast times in Booksmart. Olivia is clearly a fan of the movie. So she was a perfect person to moderate that. Yeah, the cover is great. Super cool. I love that all the buttons for each actor's face is equal size. Yes. It shows who these people were back then. They were up and coming. They were, they, nobody knew who they were yet. And it's truly an ensemble movie. Yep. 100%. All unknowns at the time. Even, even Victor Moan's on the front. Dude, you know, he has a coffee shop over in North Hollywood. Does he really? Yes. Mike Damone is a little prick. No, uh, no, he, he's got a little coffee shop. I think it's called Bob's Coffee. It's on Lancashire over in North Hollywood. Oh. And you pop in there and he's there. I mean, one of the things I'm looking most forward to on this release is seeing that TV version, which I haven't seen probably since it originally aired on television. Yeah, I think TBS used to show it a lot. So, yeah, yeah. man, I'm super, this was, you know, this was a pleasant surprise. coming. Yeah. From, any other stuff that they're releasing too is, there's some fun stuff, but I mean, this is the one that I was like, oh, Jesus, man, look at that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, excited for the, the that conversation with Olivia, but. Also, yeah, that that new scan because this is movie is it's a lot more colorful than people realize. Oh man, oh it totally, dude, it, it encapsulates it, it. It's everything that is 1982. Yeah, it's like a time capsule. Yeah. Like that opening title sequence when they're going through the mall. Yeah, exactly. You could see licorice pizza. If you didn't know, if you want to know what malls looked like in, in the 1980s, yeah, the first three minutes of Fast Times at Ridgemont High, you'll you'll see all of it. Now the outside of it was Glendale, right? No, it was uh, it was Sherman Oaks, I believe. I, I, I said Glendale. I meant Sherman Oaks. I meant, yeah, Sherman Oaks I'm, Galleria. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny because this movie, it is the interior. I believe is because I think they were shooting this and Valley Girl were shooting at the same time, and Valley Girl used the Delamo Mall. I think for some reason there's something in this that made me think that it was Delamo also. Um, I'm not sure because you when you see Commando, you get to see what the mall looked like inside and just a different man just they made me think it looked look different because like you know beverly center is weird it's weird like that too it's got this weird triangle thing to it well no in may yes <laughs> right it's reasons to revisit 100 yeah. uh and weirdly enough back to robert ridgely just to tie this in with fast times and thunder the barbarian art linson's follow-up to fast times behind the wildlife uh, starring christopher penn eric stoltz Leah Thompson, Jenny Wright, Rick Moranis. Robert Ridgely plays the real estate guy who, right. sell, who leases an apartment <laughs> to Eric Stoltz, who has to take Chris Penn in as a roommate. <laughs> uh, and this was this this was scripted also by Cameron Crowe. And I think it went right into production directly after Fast Times at Ridgemont High. So if you're looking for something you want to pair with your new copy of Fast Times at Ridgemont High, check out The Wildlife. And Robert Ridgely. So you can watch Thundar. You can watch them all three together and have a wonderful fucking weekend. Perfect. If you want to follow me on Letterboxd, it's Corey underscore Culp. If you want to support the show on Patreon, thank you, Patreon supporters. That's patreon.com slash KITG podcast. If you'd like to follow me, you can follow me at Tom Cody at Letterboxd. That's Tom 
Cody. Letterboxed.